The Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference presents Assertiveness Learning. Gain more confidence, make better decisions, and earn the respect you deserve. A professional development seminar. Featuring Senior IT Consultant for Pierce, Monroe, and Associates, Christine Burkett. Vice President, Women in Diverse B2B Marketing for IBM Corporation, Denise Evans. Brigadier General, Human Resources Command for the U.S. Army, Tawanda Young, and Senior Project Manager for General Dynamics, Trina Crowell. The business world is a combination of various people, personalities, and perspectives. Some can be more outspoken than others, especially in meetings with the boss. In this seminar, you will learn proven methods for understanding how to be more assertive and develop skills to help you deal with workplace conflict and disagreements. This session will address critical issues such as techniques for being a more assertive conversationalist, techniques for giving and receiving feedback properly, and business etiquette techniques for the situation that is called upon. This session will help you to comprehend how social styles alter behavior and can enhance your on-the-job assertiveness skills. Without further ado, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference presents Assertiveness Learning. Gain more confidence, make better decisions, and earn the respect you deserve. Featuring Christine Burkett, Denise Evans, Brigadier General Tawanda Young, and Trina Crowell. So uh, my name is Denise Evans. I'm the Vice President of, um, of Marketing for the IBM Corporation, over 40 years in the IT field. Um, welcome to today's session. So what we're gonna do is we're going to have a panel discussion for about 45 minutes, and I'm gonna try to leave at least 20 minutes at the end for your questions of the panelists. So if you have questions during the panel, jot them down. I'm gonna ask you to come to the mic at the end and speak into the mic because the session is being recorded. Uh, if you're here for assertiveness learning, gaining more confidence and making better decisions, you're in the right room. If you're not here for that, now would be a good time to exit out the door before we talk about you. So a little bit of housekeeping. Um, please move up. It's so lonely up here on stage when you're sitting way in the back. Um, we just appreciate more interaction. We can read your faces and things like that. Um, so I encourage you to move up. Make sure you have your badge scanned as you enter the room. If you're from Oregon State University and you want the continuing education units or professional development hours, there is a table near registration for Morgan to have your badges scanned. Um, surveys, you will be sent a survey link after the conference, and I encourage you to really respond to the surveys. I will tell you, I've been doing this long enough that I know that Bayer uses the survey feedback. They give feedback to the panelists, they use it for sessions for next year, and it's all to make sure that we give you guys what you're looking for when you come to spend your time at this conference. Presentation, all PowerPoint slides will be posted after the conference at slideshare.net slash ccgmag. I talked about the microphones. Um, social media, 
If you haven't downloaded the Bay app, please do so from the iPhone App Store or Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at Bayer Technology and join us on Facebook at Bayer STEM. So thank you for being with us. You could have been a lot of other places, but we appreciate your time and attention today. And we're gonna make it worth your while. I've got a great panel here. And our objective is by the end of the session, we'd like you to understand who you, who you are, how to use quick wins to build and gain more confidence, how to do strategic decision-making, earn the respect you deserve, define behaviors that distinguish between assertive, passive, and aggressive, um, and goal setting. How do you make short-term goals? And then resources and tools at the end to improve your performance skills. So with that, I'd like to introduce our distinguished panel. To my left is Brigadier General Tawanda Young. Go, she goes by Tia. Tia is the Deputy Commanding General Director of Reserve Personnel Management Directorate for the U.S. Army Human Resources Command. She served in the command and staff positions in the continental U.S. and Hawaii with First Army, Joint Forces Command, U.S. Army Reserve Command, and in Afghanistan with NATO, NATO Training Mission Combined Security Transition Command. She's a 1988 Distinguished Military Graduate of the South Carolina State University. She earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in English from Claflin University, a Master's of Arts degree in Adult Education, and a Master's of Arts degree in Executive Development from Ball State University. She also holds a master's degree in strategic studies from the U.S. Army War College. Please join me in welcoming Tia. <laughs> Trina, who will be joining us shortly, I hope, is um, currently serves as the program director for the Department of Defense Cyber Crime System, Cyber Training Academy contract at General Dynamics Information Technology. She's also held leadership positions with many other prominent organizations such as Jacobs Engineering, Verizon, Computer Sciences Corporation, and many others. She received her Bachelor of Science in Computer Information Sciences from Towson State University here in Baltimore, and her Master's in Business from University of Management and Technology. And she's also a certified PMP in ITIL. We'll welcome her when she walks into the room and surprise her. And last but not least is our presenting panelist for today, Christine Burkett. Christine is a senior IT consultant with Pierce, Monroe, and Associates. She was previously the CIO of a major urban school district as well as the CEO of a small IT company. She began her college career at Delaware State University she completed her first Master of Science degree in Curriculum and Instruction at Capella University, her second Master of Science degree in Science at Marygrove College, and she's currently, in her spare time, pursuing her PhD at Michigan State University in Education, Technology, and Psychology. She prides herself on setting an example of what can be accomplished when you are a single parent working in a male-dominated field. Please join me in welcoming Christine. So with that, I'm going to give Christine the clicker. So good morning, everyone. 
Okay, so I'm gonna start out real quick. One, that picture they made me take. I don't even like it, but I use it, right? So just a little bit about me. One, I'm probably not the person people expect when they're looking at an IT person. I started off at a, as a chemist um, at DuPont, and they didn't have anyone that worked with diversity and inclusion at that time. So they sent me out to do community work at one of the local high schools as a chemistry teacher, but they sent me to an alternative school. So I wanna be clear, I don't even like kids, didn't like kids, I was upset about it and was wondering what was happening, right? I walked into the school and all the kids were like, who is she? And I bet you $5, we'll get her out in two days. I walked in there and I was like, I will not be defeated by these little people. <laughs> so I went back home and I was like, I gotta do a game plan. I told my boss, I am not coming to work tomorrow because I'm getting ready to do something magical. Again, didn't go to school to be a teacher, didn't even like kids, I didn't even know what was happening, right? So I went back and I said, what would be something really cool that kids would like to do? Kids like to make stuff. Well, let me show them how science is important as it relates to making things, right? Everything we're wearing is related to something from science, fabrics, right? Ink, all those kind of things. So what did I do? I went to a friend of mine who owned a t-shirt shop. I said, give me 50 t-shirts. Just give them to me, I'm not buying them. Went to the Dollar Tree, right? <laughs> That's how you do it, because you do it, you may be very assertive, like something magical is about to happen. And people fall in, they're like, we're gonna do it. So then I got magic markers, and I was like, we're doing tie-dye. I went back that next day, carrying those little bags, and it was like, today's her day, like she's out today. I was like, it is not happening. By the end of that class, guys who had gone to juvie jail, who had thought school was not for them, went to the principal and said, make sure that lady comes back, we like her. That was my first inkling that, oh my God, I think I might like kids, right? Because at first I was like, I don't even know why teachers are teachers, that's upsetting me. <laughs> <laughs> so that little community outreach turned into me eventually going into an area uh, teaching chemistry, biology, uh, different equations, calculus, all kind of things later on in life, which I never thought would happen. And later on, to be honest with you, it helped me raise my son, who's going to college this year. <laughs> I'm so happy about it. <laughs> he is like my total purpose every day. He's going to school to be a biomechanical engineer and then he's gonna go focus on um, being an orthopedic surgeon, especially in robotics. So I'm very happy because he's my everything and he's my purpose. So if I had failed at that, I would not be standing here. Okay, so this is what I always say to myself. Identify quick wins by brainstorming those ideas, clarifying the difference between team effort versus individual and aligning those to organizational goals that are measurable is the key. So what I decided to do, people are like, you're so great communicating with people, you can break down situations, everybody loves you. I said, well, how can I make money doing this? This doesn't make any sense, like I'm just stuck somewhere and I'm not really sure what's happening. Well, small joke, I went from being a science person into IT, because this guy I really liked, <laughs> he was in computer programming. <laughs> So, like a girl, I started going to class with him. I was like, oh, I'm just sitting in, you know, taking notes from my boyfriend. Next thing you know, I got into IT. So always say to myself, you know, you have to look at how you can measure yourself against others. So that whole thing I did in science paved out, but then when I linked it with what I wanted to do in technology, I then later on became a CIO, which I didn't even know what that was at any particular time until somebody said, we like her, why is she writing code? Everybody's listening to her. Why don't we make her the boss of everybody? I was like, 
I don't even know how to be the boss of myself. Wait a minute, what's happening? So I got a quick tutorial on what it takes to be a person who wants to be a leader. So the thing is, so what's your plan? I had to find out who I was. I was a kid, no joke. I didn't even talk until I was 10. I was a middle child. My sister antagonized me, and my little brother, he was just with her. He was like her, her ra-da-da, right? So we're antagonized the middle kid who doesn't talk and has imaginary friends and talks in a different language when she does talk, right? But that was me just creating this element of, I think I can do this, and I don't need a whole gangster people to roll with me to make this happen, right? So I had to figure out who I was. So a friend of mine who's a psychologist said, how do you see yourself? I said, okay, let's see how this works. So what I did is I gave you guys a handout. Not that you have to do it now, but do it later. Sit down with yourself and figure out who you are. If you want to be a leader, you need to look at the skills that's required to be a leader. And you, right now you may be saying, I am a leader, but you may have some areas you need to develop. So what I found out was, okay, a word that describes me as intelligent. My garage is a library. My friend who's a fireman says one day it's going to catch on fire. He is right. <laughs> one day it is. I'm still a book reader and I highlight everything, you know, like back in the day, y'all read everything from a tablet. I still need a book, right? <laughs> so I read everything. If somebody says something, I read it. So I found out that means power. To be intelligent is to be powerful. And it's an empowering, empowering thing. I'm creative. My mother was a seamstress. At the time, I didn't even understand what that meant. All I knew is she made clothes for me and I put them on. Why? Because I didn't care about clothes. Later in life, I kid you not, I love fashion. I don't even know, but it hit me late, like 40-something. It was late. I was wearing jeans every day. I didn't even care in a jogging suit and a baseball cap. But later in life, I was like, clothing kind of emulates power. You got you to gotta dress for that look. What comes out of your mouth is amazing, but then you got to walk in there like Diane Carroll in Dynasty. Like what? Right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So I had to pick up my Diane Carroll. So I said, okay, that makes me valuable because I'm creative. I can problem solve through things and come up with a solution. But guess what? It's a solution that I can execute, not just me going to someone else and saying, hey, can you do this, right? But then I also found out, okay, I'm kind of stimulating. I can kind of rock the house, get people to do some things, all right? So that makes me a leader because a leader has to motivate people, right? So you think about I'm nurturing. Well, my kid brought that out in me. I didn't even know I had it till he came along, you know. But then I found out being nurturing is nice, but then I'll tell you a secret. My um, secretary said to this guy, he comes in my office, he's like, Burkett, by the way, everybody calls me my last name. I don't know why, everywhere I go, people just like my last name. Burkett, I'm just going through a lot. Things are going on with my husband at home. I just don't know if I'll be able to make it through today. I'm sitting there, and she said, she doesn't cry. She doesn't get emotional, so you might be wasting this on her. He just kept going through. He broke down in the office, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, okay, so what are you saying? Are you saying you're too emotional to work because we had a project that's due? So what are we saying right now in this moment? He was just like, I just wanted you to hear me out. I said, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. You, I talked to my circuit, say, so you give him a hug so he can feel nurtured, right? And then I am going to support you by giving you a half a day, right? Was that, was that not, that was my nurturing moment. I don't do hugs. I don't even know what that's about. Come to work and work. Leave the other stuff outside. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but that was my way of being a leader, right? Respect it. My dad said to me one day, he said, listen, I don't care how many degrees you get. I don't care where you go. You're no better than the people who clean the floor. Do you understand? Don't ever walk in a building like you can't pick up anything or help do anything. And I remember the first day I walked in DuPont 
And I was just a little black little girl. Nobody there was black. I'm walking in. And the only person that was black was the man shining the floor. His name was Clever. Really was Cleotas, but I called him Clever because of stuff he did. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> I got to know him. And the first day I met him, I said, good morning, sir. He looked up. He said, good morning. The next day I came and I said, good morning, sir. He said, good morning. He said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, why do you talk to me every morning? And I said, because it's important for you to know that I respect the work that you do. You come in here every day and these, these floors are spotless. I respect that. So what did that teach me? Doesn't make a difference what you do. Be outstanding at it. And respect the fact that somebody took the time to do it. Now I'm going to take a break because as, as, as you know, Denise said, we're going to have to applaud Trina. Trina's here. There's Trina. Right? There's Trina. Okay. We got to support the panelists. All right. So you got to be respected. So just one small thing. This happened to me and it was so funny. So somebody called me and they said, hey, we want um, Chris Burkett to come over. She's an IT consultant. We need some help with our company. It was all the top executives of the company. So I got there early, set up my little PowerPoint, and I took off my jacket, and a group of men came in. They were like, oh, we want coffee. So one guy, he leaned over to me, he said, can you take this credit card and go downstairs to the Starbucks and get us some coffee? I said, sure, not a problem. Do you mind if I get me one? He said, oh, okay. He was like, is she the secretary? I could, we, nobody asked me who I was. So, you know, I went, got my little bag, came back with all the little Starbucks for everybody. And also my latte. I got the most expensive one I could. <laughs> right? <laughs> I wasn't playing with it. <laughs> so I walk in there, and all those executives was like, why is uh, Chris Burkett late? Where is she? Call your secretary. Find out where she is. And I'm just walking past him. I said, oh, you had a, okay, a dark, okay. Okay, and this is what you had, all right. Okay, I said, um, oh, you guys are looking for Chris Burkett. Oh, good morning, I'm Chris Burkett. The room got quiet. <laughs> I handed the man the credit card. I said, by the way, I gave him a tip. <laughs> right? Let me tell you something. You talking about respect in that room. <laughs> you know he signed that contract. <laughs> I don't care if it was guilt or respect, but I went with it. I didn't even care. Who cares? Okay, cheerful. I'm going to tell you, whenever I see an obstacle, I see an opportunity to stretch myself, right? So one of my bosses said to me one day, Christine, I really need you to look at how we can analyze data in a way that we can create a database that is a quick resource for executives to access whenever they're at meetings. I sat there for a moment. I said, what is happening? I could, what, my attitude's not good about this. And guess what he said? Your appraisal for the year is attached to this. What is happening? I wasn't prepared. I immediately walked out that meeting and said, okay, this is not going to be another defeated moment in my life. I closed my little office door and put do not disturb on it like the hotels. I went in there and got my strategy board out and started doing my vision board. And I said, you know, we're going to be good about this. He comes back in my office. He says, by the way, I need it at the end of the week. Uh-oh. That, that little positive attitude I normally have turned into a straight face. I was almost in tears, everybody. But guess what happened? My cheerful attitude came in handy. You know why? Because I was able to get a group of people who were smarter than me to come in that room and help me problem solve through it. Now, if I had come back with a defeated, horrible, nasty attitude, what would have happened? Everybody would have been like, she on her own. I don't know what's happening. She's about to get fired. <laughs> she is on her own. But I was like, no, we can do this. 
everybody, this is what's happening. <laughs> and you're right. If this doesn't come off well, that office will be empty and somebody else will be there. So are we doing this or not? <laughs> Everyone's like, we're doing this. So a cheerful attitude is even when somebody gives you something that you feel is not if you don't have the time to do it, right? Or you may feel like it's out of your wheelhouse. Don't show that. I went back and I mean, when I drove into that library, let me tell you something, honey, I was grabbing books off the shelf, highlighting, putting ideas together. We worked on that thing for three days and guess what happened? I sat home on a Thursday night and coded all night long. I told my son, get that microwave, make it happen. Don't bother your mother, I'm busy. <laughs> By the way, my son is 6'4 and is a linebacker on a football team. He's a big boy. <laughs> Feed yourself. I don't care. But be cheerful about things, folks, because that's inspiring. You can inspire people when they see how you handle, handle difficult situations, right? Don't always feel defeated, even when you think you're up against the wall. And by the way, not only did I get promoted, I got a bonus at the end of the year. And that was the job I had at GM. Confident. I don't care if I don't even know what the heck I'm talking about. I'm going to make it seem like I do. <laughs> especially when I'm in front of people who think I don't. <laughs> know enough to make sure that you're confident to represent or present an idea, okay? Don't go, some people, they go for the stars. Don't go for the stars. Just basically touch a cloud. Just touch a cloud, people. Then you go for the stars. If you go for the stars immediately, you might throw yourself under the bridge. But be confident about what you're doing and be sure that you reflect that in what you say and what you do. So that's basically being empowered, valued, and a leader. So when I looked at what all of these things mean, I was like intelligent, creative, stimulating, nurturing, respected, cheerful, and confident. I think I'm going gold. I felt like I was an Olympian. Folks, you gotta figure out who you are to figure out where you wanna go. So later on, when you're in your quiet time, drinking a margarita, glass of wine, cognac, I don't know, whatever you're doing, milk, whatever, water, Hopefully it's ice in it, give it a little spark. Go through this and figure out who you are. And then look for resources, which at the end we're gonna give you some resources to figure out how you can build those skills. Okay, so very quickly, how does a quick, how do quick wins building and gaining your confidence? So I'm gonna tell you one thing is easy to understand goals with a narrow scope. When you're looking at what you're doing at work, folks, figure out how you can tie that into goals that are actually aligned to what the organization is doing. That's how you can get quick wins. Think outside of the box. Little or no capital outlay is required. Nobody wants to put more money out not understanding what the ROI is, right? So you may understand what it is, but it may not align with what the goal is for the organization. Successful and positive results will build your um, credibility. I did small wins. Small wins turn me into the go-to person. Small wins have people calling me on the phone saying, can you work with me? We need a CIO. So what do I do? I rent myself out. I rent myself out to small tech companies that need a CIO that can problem solve issues. Does it keep me busy? Yes, but it also helps me build my son's college fund, which is vitally important. So that's what happens when you build that credibility. What happens is other departments, your boss, everyone will start looking at you as a rock star because you have small wins. Success is measurable and straightforward, easy. I'm a data analytics person. It's all I do is think about data and how to process it. By the way, anybody who takes my picture, the bosses of me at home always says, I never take pictures and stuff when I go out. I'll give you my cell number and you can text it over to me. Thank you so much. Forgot about that part. <laughs> Five, buy in from key stakeholders. Folks, I'm gonna tell you right now, GM, my girlfriend called me on the phone. She says, we're looking for somebody to start our onboarding. 
First of all, I'm not an HR person. I don't even know what onboarding was. But she felt confident <laughs> that I could do this. I don't want to make her think that. So I went in. I didn't know what's happening. She says, everybody's presenting ideas. When I walked in there, it was a room similar to this, but a little bit smaller. People had presentation boards, laptops, and all kind of stuff. Honey, I came in there with a pair of Pradas on and a, and a little notebook. I thought the Pradas was cute. I wasn't even worried about it. Because really, I was just going there to practice my skills in presenting, to be honest with you, right? So I walk in there, and I'm waiting in the hallway, and they said, OK, uh, Ms. Burkett, you're next. I said, OK. I walk in there, and to be honest with you, I didn't even know who Mary Barr was. I didn't even know. I walked in the room, and all these executives are sitting at the table. Can you please tell us your ideas around how we can onboard and bring in over 500 people every month to our company? Honey, those books paid off. Whew. I'm going to tell you, all those little crazy ideas and things that I think about went out of the box. I presented an idea to them. It's like putting on a wedding every 30 days. And you have to give them the best presentation possible. Let them hear from the executives in the company, but let them hear from middle management. Let them hear from somebody that's going to work on their team so they can ask them questions. Why don't we uh, do a whole thing where they can sit down and, put, and build Legos together, right? Car Legos together. <laughs> Let's make this fun and exciting. But not only that, let me take them on a tour. And, they, and she sat back. She says, OK, thank you so much for presenting. Honey, I walked out the door. Those products was hurting my feet. I took them off. I'm walking through the Renaissance building trying to get to my car. Security running behind me. I said, Lord, I didn't steal a pen from the executive office. Why is this man trying to chase me down? I said, did somebody slip something in my pocket? <laughs> he said, lady, lady, they're calling you. I said, what happened? <laughs> he said, they're calling you. Mary Barr said, go get the, and he said, come on. We need, she needs you upstairs. I said, honey, hold my pocketbook. I put these shoes back on. So he held my pocketbook. I put them shoes on. I went up the elevator. But I didn't go to the same room. He took me to the special floor. And then I had to walk up this winding staircase. You know them problems hurt my feet, though. <laughs> Honey, I got up there. And I walked into this office, almost the size of this room, maybe a little bit smaller. She's sitting in there. She said, have a seat. I said, Lord, I did not steal a pen. What is happening? I got so nervous. She said, when can you start? In that moment, the little girl in me was on that table jumping. <laughs> I was like, no, you didn't. Then, then the other grown-up in me said, no, how the hell are you going to pull this off? You know you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I pushed her down and kept with the little girl. <laughs> I was like, we doing this. So it was so funny because she wrote, she said, listen, it's not a check thing. You put together the ideas, and we're going to support it. So within six months, by the way, that's what I had, six or seven months, I ended up launching the first uh, on-hire, new-hire onboarding at GM at our corporate office. From there, they put me on a plane, and I went all over the world. And that was just from a girl who had an idea, and I didn't even have a presentation board. So people, I'm going to tell you, buying from stakeholders are huge, right? So when you look at how to use those quick wins, can you achieve a goal within 90 days? Look at that. Just a quick win, 90 days. Your team must have the capability to achieve the quick win if you need team support. Are you rolling with the right people? OK? Just because people are cute, nice, you know what I mean? They talk a lot, don't mean that they're the people who can help you execute. I got a whole team of people who are smarter than me. So when I pick up the phone and I say, can we do this? They go, let me call you right back. And when they call me back, they have a solution. So those are the things I want you to think about. The win must add value and have a positive impact on the organization. That new hire or orientation I designed, they had never had all their logos on anything. 
all GM product logos. I designed it where there were pull-ups, all the logos were tablecloths, book bags, everything. I had executive leather binders. I presented them, and let me tell you something, when Mary Barr came, she got off her executive lot of her elevator and was so proud. Her light, her face lit up. I had pull-ups with every vehicle. I had vehicles lined up outside. She said, how did you get these cars up here to the third floor? I said, that's my secret. We don't, to, don't worry about it. It didn't cost you anything because I got them from the main floor. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> but it looked good, right? It was amazing. But let me tell you something. It saved the company so much money, but it made us so much money because we were able to hire and retain an astronomical number of engineers astronomical number of people we need in our county, in our IT department, you know, and those are the things that matter. When they see that you really rolled out the red carpet to onboard these people, who didn't want to be a part of that GM team, right? And those are the things that make me excited because one, I stretched myself. I didn't know I could do it and I did and I did it successfully. Now, mind you, you know, I was only there as a consultant, right? Later on, they offered me a job <laughs> in infotainment. <laughs> they were like, just go to infotainment. And so now, whenever I get into a GM vehicle and I look at that dashboard, I'm proud because I developed some of those icons. And I get excited because if I had never done the one thing right, I never would have been able to do that part, right? So those are the things, those are quick wins when you look at it, taking a strategic approach to mapping out your quick win. I just figured out what would make her happy. I thought big. And then I kind of narrowed it down because my big was over the top. So when you look at what it is that you want to do in your quick wins, the power of collective quick wins is really great. I like it when I can work with my team and my team can figure it out and it makes it awesome. So you guys don't know this restaurant, but the restaurant in, in Detroit, Michigan, which is really big is Andiamo's. And Andiamo's is like this Italian restaurant, right? Everybody goes there and the food is amazing. They have different locations throughout Detroit, Michigan. That's where I'm from. So I go in a restaurant and Mike goes, uh, Burkett, my Wi-Fi is messed up. I was getting ready to put that food in my mouth. I don't even know why he's talking to me. I said, Mike, all right, I'm gonna look at it. He was like, can you do it right now? I got people in the conference room and my Wi-Fi is at work. <laughs> I was like, all right, forget that I'm hungry. We just, let's, go, let's go fix this for him. I went and I said, well, what's wrong is that your APs are old. You need to change them out. He says, how did you know that? I said, well, when did you have this installed? He said, we just had it installed like a couple years ago. I called my IT guys, my network guys on the phone. I said, listen, what are you doing? Can you do me a favor? He said, what do you need, boss? They call me boss. I don't like the part either. I said, can you come down to Andiamo's? Guess what he said? Can you feed me? I said, not only can I feed you, but I got you at the bar. I got you. <laughs> Just come on. He came down. We assessed the situation. We got him temporarily up and running. And then we went ahead and gave him a quote for us to come back and do the work. So even though I was sitting there, that was a quick win, and it was a collective win for my team. I didn't make any money on it, but my team did, right? Now, why, why would you say, Christine, why would you do that and not make any money? He has, he's one of the largest business restaurant owners in Detroit. <laughs> what do you think that did for me? That got, that got me all his other restaurants, right? Ching, ching, plus I eat free now. Doesn't make a difference, right? <laughs> So targeting the right quick wins, that was one of the quite, uh, right quick wins, and setting your leaders up for success. So my boss at Detroit Public Schools, um, Dr. Vitti, said to me, listen, Burkett, we want to look at a new way that we can assess these kids, bringing them in a school district. First thing I go is technology, let's do it all online. I can make this magical. Then my background in uh, curriculum and instruction, I can put all this together. Of course, you know, I was presenting the idea. He went for it. 
I had literally 60 days to pull this off. So I pulled everybody off their other projects. We got this done and we rolled it out. It was flawless. For the first time, we didn't get in the news for anything negative. All the students, I had testing locations at four different schools, laptops they had never seen because it was all manual before, right? My boss walked onto one location at Renaissance High School and he walked in that room and he looked at me and all he did was thumbs up. That made my whole day because for the first time since he started his job, he was not in the news for something crazy going wrong. At that point, I could do what I want. I was untouchable and I loved it, right? But then that quick win got me notoriety. And then they had other companies doing what? Trying to find out who that girl was, who did this, right? That's what I'm saying. So the, it, was, it was great for the leadership, but it was also great for me. So I'm not saying do everything to impress your leader. Do it so that it kind of elevates where it is that you want to go in your career, right? Put a little spotlight on yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. So we talked about Diane Carroll. By the way, I love Diane Carroll. Why? Because she was the first black woman I saw on television on Dynasty. I loved her. And then I looked at her, I was like, her hair is flawless and she's amazing. Then I get to do more research on her. She was the most eloquent speaker and she had what we call, I don't know, that little thing back in the day. She was like our, my, my Beyonce. I would say that. We don't worry about how old I am, but she was my Beyonce. Underperformance affects more than the, than the new leader. It drives down the performance of everyone around them. My team started, I didn't, when I first started the job at DPS, I didn't know my team was coming in at like 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. I was rolling in at nine. Cause you know, I wanted to cook breakfast for my kid every morning, take him to school, you know, do our little thing. So when I went to work and I found out everybody had been there for like a couple hours, I was like, that's not cool. I start coming in at 5.30, 6 o'clock, bringing bagels and all kind of stuff, you know. They walked in the office like, no CIO's ever done this. I came in early and I stayed late. I was the last to leave. What do you think that did for my team? It helped morale. <laughs> there is nothing they wouldn't do for me. When I left the company, most of them left the company with me. And that's how I started my company. So I'm gonna tell you, the way I treated them, those guys are like my ride or die. There's 30 of them right now down in Bahamas doing networking on that island. They left their homes for me to go down there and help rebuild the Bahamas. Those are my ride or dies, right? And let me tell you something, those guys are characters. <laughs> I love every single one of them. But the thing is, is that it was all because I always came in with a positive attitude, no difference. It didn't make a difference what it was. When a website didn't work, those guys weren't just sitting in their offices coding. I was coding with them because I wanted to show them, I'm no better than you. I'm your leader, I'm the spokesperson of the team, but I'm here with you. And that's how it works. So you have to make a decision on what type of leader you're gonna be. You can be a leader that people fear, or you can be a, a leader that people respect. When you're a leader that people respect, they'll bend over backwards for you. And none of my guys ever charged me overtime. So never underestimate your impact on the next person, Diane Carroll, never do. And from that, People, all the executives from the other teams start looking at what it is that I was doing with my team and they said, hey, let's check out what Burkett is doing over there. And it turned out pretty good. So in your packet, you might see something with you know, five um, traps on the way to uh, a quick win. Focus, don't focus too heavily on the details. I'm a detail-oriented person 
and I had somebody tap me on the shoulder. Honey, I spent all day one day trying to fix something. I wasted a whole day, almost missed my deadline. Sometimes you have to know good enough is good enough. My good is not good enough. I just, I'm, I need to be perfect. And sometimes you get caught up in the details. Sometimes you just have to say, okay, I'm at 98% and I'm good, right? You can't always go for that 100. You're listening to Assertiveness Learning. Gain more confidence, make better decisions, and earn the respect you deserve. A professional development seminar. Featuring Christine Burkett, Denise Evans, Brigadier General Tawanda Young, and Trina Crowell. Brought to you by the Global Catalyst for Change, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference, where we make the untapped potential possible. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Reacting negatively to criticism. People criticize me all day. I support five different companies in the role of a CIO. People criticize me all day long. Guess what I do? Not a problem. I'll take care of it. Not a problem. I'll take care of it. Why? My job is to make them happy, right? Even when you work for someone, that's your job. (laughs) To be successful and finding out what they need before they think they need it, right? Be the problem, but understand it's gonna come with criticism. It's not always gonna be, oh, you know, they love me. Sometimes you're gonna get kicked in the face, but that's okay. I'm always the person that they look at and go, really? I'm like, yep, really? I'm making it happen. All right, intimidating others. I had a boss who intimidated me. I swear that woman just wanted to put my head on a platter. I used to say to her, I used to say, let me bring her some chocolates. I don't eat chocolates. Would you like to go to coffee? I don't drink coffee. I was like, what is happening? I sent her flowers. Honey, I was just going all out trying to figure out what was happening. Guess what was wrong? She thought I was after her job. She was so mean to me because she thought I wanted her job. I had to tell her one day, guess what I did? She wouldn't go to lunch with me, so I brought lunch to her. And she was like, who knew this is what I wanted? I asked her secretary, what is she like? I ordered it, had it delivered, and then I walked in her office and I said to you, you should be celebrated because you are outstanding. I need you to be my mentor. That woman sat back and it was like, she had pride like a mama and a baby cub. I never had another problem out of that woman. She was just so intimidated because her bosses came to me because they felt like I was a go-to person. But that was my fault. I had to redirect them to say, hey, check with my boss and make sure it's okay, right, that I'm doing this. So what I'm going to say to you guys, intimidating others is not good, but sometimes you create that because you allow people to overstep your bosses or the chain of command, right? Can't do that. You have to redirect people, and that way you can earn a respect of the person that you're working under. Right, and then they're gonna support you. Jump into conclusions. Honey, her name is Iray. Iray, that girl, I'm telling you, if I was a mean person, I would've pushed her down the stairs. If I said red, she said black. If I said green, she was like, there is no color. Every meeting we went to, she, she really just kinda irked me. And she picked at everything that I did, and I was just like, this person hates me. Guess what she said to me? One day as I'm walking to my car with a box full of stuff because she got me kicked off the project. 
You know what she said to me? You're amazing. I like your attitude. Can you come work for me? I said, what is happening? She got me kicked off the project. Now you're going to offer me a little job? First thing I said is I got the boy, so I'm going to have to take it. I don't have that attitude about it. I looked at her. I said, well, what is the job? She said, I'm st I have a little startup company, and I think you would be amazing at it. You have great ideas, and I think you would be great to work with my team of people. I said, well, can I ask you a question? Why were you always writing me in all of these meetings? She said, honestly, I felt like what you were providing that group of people, they didn't even have the conceptual idea of how to even execute it. So you were talking to dead air. You needed to be somewhere where we could really execute these great ideas that you had. He said, these guys have been in these positions for years. They're old school. I said, well, you think it would have been a better way? Because now you got them thinking I'm just a total jerk who knows nothing, right? Now, there was a better way that she could have done that, but I jumped to the conclusion this woman couldn't stand me. But what she really should have done was a little better. But the bottom line is, I jumped to conclusions. Don't always assume because someone's coming after you it's because they don't like you. Maybe they're not an effective communicator, right? And they don't really know how to communicate what it is that they're trying to convey. Don't think like you. Think like somebody else. Now, later on, I did tell her she needed to go back and tell the people, though, what she was doing, because that wasn't right. <laughs> but the bottom line is, it turned out to be an opportunity for me. And then micromanaging. I never micromanage my team. I let my team do what they need to do. We discuss the mistakes and I always say, what do we need to do better? I never micromanage. You know why? I had a boss that micromanaged everything I did. And I literally used to go home crying because I couldn't understand. Folks, think about what type of leader you want to be. Think what type of leader you would like your leader to be for you, right? And then think about whether or not you are communicating those things to them. Because I'm going to tell you, if you can't earn the respect that you deserve, you're not going to be able to grow your career. So let's look at it real quick. Self-self-imposed goals. I set my own goals about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be, outside of what HR told me or my boss told me. Get familiar with your strengths and incorporate them when possible. I knew that I was great, honey, at putting together stuff and in executing it. So I made sure I was always the front person. I did all the speaking. And this comes from a little kid who sat in her closet and didn't speak until, you know, after nine. So there you go. Who knows what you got? Don't be down on your kids, the ones that don't talk. They'll be okay. They might turn out a little bit like me. Take responsibility for your mistakes. That's one of my major things. If I goof up, I always say, you know what? That's on me. I did it. I did it. Now, let me figure out how to fix this for you. How much time do I have to fix it, right? Or if somebody corrects one of my mistakes, I never take it personal. I go outstanding. You know why? I'm doing multiple things, so I could make a mistake, and oftentimes I do. And I'm okay with it. You know why? Because you don't take it personal. Remember to network in and out of your office. I network all the time wherever I go. Doesn't make a difference. I'm always talking to somebody because you never know when opportunities come up, right? And take control of building your skills for the next level. Every degree I have, and I'm not going to say you always have to go back to school, but make sure you go get the trainings and certifications you need. One of my mentees called me on the phone. She works here in DC. She says, Christine, I think I want to go into cybersecurity. I said, go ahead and start taking the certification classes. Her boss at work was upset with her and didn't want her to do it. I told her, think about where it is that you want to go. You know where she is now? She just went to Virginia. She's working in cybersecurity. And I love her. That's why she's not here today. I'm a little bit upset about that. I just want to say I love her. <laughs> Defining your behaviors, 
is coming up, and that would be Trina. So wait a minute, does she not get an applause? Really? Seriously, everybody? All right. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me okay on the back? So I have a tendency, what you will notice is my voice will go up and down depending on the mood of the day or the time of the day. But I am so glad to be here. I was a little annoyed, but I'm sure that happens to everybody when you get into that traffic jam, right? And then uh, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, oh my God, and you start praying, Lord, please let me find a parking space. So. <laughs> So he found me a parking space. So I am so excited to be here and did not want to miss this event because I work for General Dynamics. And for those who do not know, it is a very large corporation that we started out in a lot of what I would call defense um, and building airplanes and ships. But there is an organization that I support and work for is the Information Technology Group. And we strive for our biggest asset in this organization is our human capital, it's our workforce. It's the people that do the job every day. And for me, I started my career, I won't give you that timeline and that age bracket, but I started my career um, really focusing on in IT. I went to college, computer science major, as Christine said, I was down in that lab, working all night long, doing those programming languages, and trying to define who I wanted to be when I graduated from college. When I graduated, I thought at first, okay, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna find me that big old IT job, but that wasn't the case. So I was a young, and I'm gonna put it like it's real, was a young black female trying to enter a world of that was considered a highly respected man world. So I started what I consider at the bottom. And the bottom didn't matter to me because I learned from my dad, as Christine said, no place is at the bottom. It's a place where you work hard and you grow as part of your journey. So what I did is I took that job as a land administrator back in the day. We did everything. We laid cables. If I had to lay some coax cables and fiber cables and crimp those cables, that's what I did to learn what I needed to learn. So I focused on that, getting better every day on what I needed to strive to get to what I thought was that big office up in the sky where I could actually have a team of people working for me and doing what they do. Well, to say, dreams do come true because today I am a member that I run a 260-person um, program for general IT. I had a 400-person program within Verizon that I ran for five years. So for that, it comes a lot of um, trials, tribulations, frustration, different characteristics about what I'm going to speak on today, which is those behaviors you will see as you manage people or as you develop yourself and also as I develop myself. So first, what is some of those characteristics that you see? As you define on your pamphlet of who you are, Decide whether or not, or look at yourself truly internally, because that's what I did. I had to really deep dive into myself and say, who am I? At that time, I didn't know if I was passive, aggressive, assertive. What I did is I just knew I was doing a job. I didn't know I came across sitting in a meeting with a group of people, and I would have to admit, I would look at the assertive side of the house. Let's see, am I that type of person? Was I that type of person? Was that an individual who sat there and um, act on, the, on my own best interest? 
Reflecting back, no. There were times I sat and I was that passive person. I was that individual that sat in a meeting watching everybody else having conversations, thinking, when do I get into the lane? Or when do I back out? When do I move to this way? I move and when do I move that way? Who am I going to hurt if I say something? How do I politically say it? I'm an analytical person. That's what technology people do. We analyze. So I was so busy analyzing, trying to determine what's my role at this table? What's my role in this environment? So truly assess who you are, but don't make it something that you look back and go, oh, I'm too passive. Think about that. Because sometimes it's the right person or the right characteristic or the right traits you need to have in that particular time. Also look at assertiveness. It's okay to be assertive. Are you looking at an ability to um, be conversational? I'm a very collaborative person. So I sit in meetings today and in history, looking back, and I'm usually very conversational. I usually take the approach of, I'm gonna join in on the conversation as I grew through my years of how I wanted to approach myself. How do I want others to see me? Now, there's another characteristic that I will have to share. Is that aggressive person? Now, am I the overbearing? Am I the person that's gonna be in your face? Am I the person that's gonna be slamming the table? No, that's not me. And why? Because in my career, back in the day, there's an individual. So as you go through your journey, and I'm sure you have, you've seen people in offices, and the first thing they're doing is, oh, what is going on? Why can't they do blah, 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 blah? And you're sitting there and you're thinking, wow, do I come off like that? Who is that? I don't want to be like them because I have a number one rule. Treat people the way I want to be treated. And that is how I picked my journey. And I've always looked back on that. So I knew that back in the day, that first thing that I was not going to do was be that person in that corner office screaming and shouting at people and being disrespectful. It's not necessary to get the job done. What's important is taking characteristics from all three of these when appropriate, and applying it to getting the job done. You will be in group sessions when you will have to be a little more assertive. You will be in group sessions when you will reflect back as to passive. But remember, you have a voice at the table. And remember, your voice matters. And that is what I encourage with my team to what I consider, when I say lowest level, bottom up because I respect the voice of those who are in the organization who are on the ground. Because I look at the people on the ground are those who can tell me how to improve the organization and the delivery of our service. And that's what I respect. Because we sit at the top and we see the day to day and see numbers and charts and graphs and think, what's going on? But if you take a minute and come out of your chair and really talk to those who work in the effort, they'll give you some insightful information. So remember, don't be passive, because your voice does matter. And your voice is something that I personally and some of my peers respect in order to be successful in our journey forward. Aggressive, yeah, I run across some aggressive people. How do I handle those? 
Well, there's a tendency I have to let, sometimes I'm sitting back and I have stories where I just let them go for it. They wanna vent, use language that I don't use. They wanna slam on the table. And when they finish, I sit back, no emotion, and I just deliver a response, a respectful response. And what does that do? It diffuses the situation. It brings them down a notch. It lets them see all that wasn't necessary to tell me you needed me to do A, B, C, D. Now, in my career, I like to call it, I've been called to the principal's office. Because when you manage a lot of people, you are responsible for all of the resources. I'm sure Christine can attest to that. No matter what they do, somebody's gonna say, you didn't take care of this. And what do you do? You take it in. You take it for the team. And then you don't go to your team and say, no, I respectfully sit back, I ask them questions, I let them have an opportunity to express themselves, giving them an opportunity to be assertive, but not passive, because I need to hear from them. So as you explore your journey of who you are, make sure you define yourself of what types of situation that you would like to use these three characteristics. So, examples. Examples um, from a passive perspective. Is anyone afraid to speak up in a meeting, in a group session, in a project session, in a big meeting like this? There we go. Yes. I was too. Don't get me wrong. I still to this day have times where I have to say, Trina, open your mouth. Say something. It's okay to be wrong. Just say something. Because on the other end, you never know that the value of what you bring to the table may mean something to someone else. So open and speak what's on your mind, okay? Some people will pull it out of you. I have, since I've noticed that, I have a tendency that I will sit in a meeting and I will watch the members in, my, in the meeting, sit on the sideline, and then I will actually call on that individual respectfully to see if they have any concerns or voices that they want to express. Passive persons usually speak softly. I have some that sits in a meeting that, see, we, I did an interview a couple of days ago. There was a young lady on the phone, and she was so soft that after a while, her, her voice went from here to down to here, and I went, okay, I'm losing her. I had to bring her back. So I had to learn techniques to bring her back up to find what's her passion, what excites her, what gets her out of that passion state. So when you find yourself diving into that state of, okay, nobody wants to hear from me, I'm out of my mind, I won't say anything, I'll keep quiet. Remember, just stop yourself and pause and say, no, I have something to say. Use your aggressive, your uh, assertive tone. Find a conversation. Find a way to present your message in a conversational tone. For example, you can state, what if? Hey, I have an idea or a thought. What do you think about this? Use soft words to actually try to engage you, gauge you into that discussion. Passive. You ever thought about those who sit in a meeting? I'm sure you've been in group sessions and everybody's like, somebody's slouching with the arms, like, okay, I don't wanna be here, but I'm here. Again, another passive trait 
You'll see these as you go through your career, or you've already seen these. Just know that when you see these characteristics, just know that a passive person is really looking for someone to kind of help draw them into the conversation. So take a moment and try and bring them into the conversation. An aggressive person, don't go back and forth with them. That's been my experience. Others may have another experience. Going back and forth just brings you both into the same dynamics and everyone else in the room will be sitting there watching like, when is this over? Been there, done that. Assertive, speak confidently. Speak conversational. Be attentive. Present the views from not just your own perspective, protect yourself, but also look at it from others' perspective. And that's usually what I do. How does others feel? I can't please everyone. I'm gonna make someone upset. But at the end of the day, holistically, what's the right approach? Ever heard of a, the, the assertive person trying not to hurt someone? That's also a passive person. I don't wanna hurt anybody's feelings, so I just wanna sit back and lay back and wait for somebody to take action. I don't want to give an opinion because I want to sit back and wait back for someone to take action or tell me what to do. It's okay, but realize you're doing it, but also find your voice to speak forward. Within my organization, I coach um, a lot of females in terms of my, in their career. I've, what the one, females and males, but primarily it's been females because we have a tendency to actually revert back into a passive aggressive, a passive mode, where we're actually standing back and letting someone else take charge. So when I see this at the table, as my project managers are managing projects, I remind them, you're in control. You have to exude the confidence so that your team believes in your efforts to get the job done. Not from an aggressive perspective, hurting others, but from a soft, assertive, um, perspective. So in summary, for me, because um, I know we are running on a time schedule here, for me, I look back and, and ask myself throughout my journey um, in my career with Verizon, with uh, Jacobs, with GDIT, I worked for a small law firm, and when I was in college, how did I grow? How did I mature? For me, it's been a journey. It's been a journey of finding my voice. I started out as a passive voice, sitting back, watching, observing, and then getting to a point where I feel that I'm more of assertive. And I'll give you an example. I'm working in an organization. I've been in for five weeks. Got a new assignment, recognized from those who are at the senior level to be a part of this uh, program that I'm running. My manager, is kind of sometimes in the aggressive box, but he's very positive, but he's very, let's get it done, let's go. So right now, we have this balance. So what came through was my workforce saying, my managers, hey, I feel like someone needs to guide the steering wheel. Because right now, my manager and I are co-supporting uh, this program where they're saying, hey, he's off in the woods driving the car, and you're off trying to bring it back on the lane. I need somebody in the lane. And why I mentioned this story is because I end up going into a new job where I'm supposed to run the organization 
and transitioned my manager out of the organization. But what did I do? I took a passive voice. And I sat back and said, I'm gonna let him drive. And then it wasn't until probably yesterday that I realized that's not the way to be. That's not who I am. So I took the steering wheel, got the car back on the lane, had a meeting this morning with my team, and we're driving forward. And I'm gonna move my manager off to where he needs to be up in the executive row doing what he do best, <laughs> driving other programs, all right? So I share that story to say to you that you never ever lose whether you're growing. There are times you're going to hit each one of these buckets, but just remember that when you hit that lane or that bucket, did you remember do a self-awareness check as to how to get yourself back into the lane that you wanna be in, which what I would say is that middle assertive person who is actually focused on conversational, who's actually focused on treating people respectfully and growing others within an organization. And two, having your voice and being self-respected. So with that, I'll turn it over to Tia. All right, I'm going to get, since to me, having asking questions is where we learn the best. Huh? So bear with me. These are going to be on a resource, but I'm going to get to one picture I think that speaks to all, and that's that picture. Success has many faces. Would you not say that's true? We all have someone that is seeding into our lives with the hope that you're going to get to whatever that desired goal is, right? So I am the youngest of seven kids. That right there is my mama, Miss Annie, <laughs> or really Pastor Williamson, who's been pastoring over 30 years with an eighth grade education, but has been running multiple little side businesses. When I say she can hustle, she can hustle. All right, and then hustling, it requires that you have innovative ideas that Christine talked about, what Trina talked about, being assertive, knowing when to, when to be quiet, knowing when to interject yourself. I learned all that from Miss Annie. Then there's my boyfriend, Tracy, for 27 years. All right. Yeah, that's a handsome motor scooter right there. <laughs> that right there is my Angus, yeah. You know, beef is good, good piece of beef, but I mean, I'm not talking about him like that. You know what I'm saying, right? I, I'm just in love, let's say, let's say just that I'm in love, that's good enough, right? All right, and then this is my dad, Mr. Willie, we call him Sweet Willie, and right there is Tracy's mom, Miss Bessie, and this is our little daughter right there, Leah, who's 27, and we have another daughter, uh, Tyra, who's 26. That day that I got promoted, there were well over 500 people at that promotion, from cadets to people I had worked with, people just wanted to see what's gonna happen, people who were there were hungry, because they know general getting promoted, there was gonna be good food, and they didn't have to go outside the building to get anything to eat. But I had my nieces there, I had my nephews there, I had soldiers that had supported me, I had sergeants majors, like that one sitting over there that had seated into my life and told me when I needed to go left or when I needed to go right. I had to be a good listener to get to that point. I had to be able to be vulnerable to know I did not know everything. 
I got there because I got there on the backs of other people who were willing to hold me up. So I will tell you throughout whatever career you have, I'm getting ready to retire, and it's a scary thing because I've only had three jobs, Taco Bell, McDonald's, and the Army for the last 31 years. <laughs> but it's interesting and exciting. It's exciting chaos because now Tia gets to do something totally outside the box. This uniform has never defined me, but it has allowed me to be able to talk to people, to show people that whatever goal that you're seeking for, you can reach it but it's gonna require you to have a plan. You're gonna fail many times in what you do. It's not how you fall, but it's how you get up. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you that wherever your life is taking you, stand with your foot flat on the ground, shoulders stretch high, and keep focus on that goal and don't let anyone deter you. Because that little snot-nosed kid right there from Darlington, South Carolina, would have never thought that she would have been a general officer in the United States Army where there are only five black African-American general officers, female, out of over 500,000 soldiers, that you would only get to that point because only 1% make it. Sergeant Major will tell you, it's not an easy road, but you learn and you grow along the way. I had the honor to serve. Wherever your lane is, you have the honor to seed into somebody else's life. Don't take that for granted. You have something to offer. Say this with me. I I am am valued. valued. Now you got to say it like you feel it. I am valued. I I am am valued. valued. In the military, we teach our job as a leader is to motivate, inspire, and lead. We call it the mill principle. So if you got a pen and paper, write that down. The mill principle, motivate, inspire, and lead. And no matter whether you're in a uniform, whether you're pastoring in a church, involved in the community, you're doing those things one way or the other. So let's open up for questions. You ready? Oh, no, y'all sound too dead for me. <laughs> I'm going to try that again. Let's open up for questions. You ready? All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask at least three people. Show me your hands that's going to ask a question, then Denise is going to call on you. Let me see. Who, who is it? Don't be passive. All right, I got one. All right, I got two. All right, all right. The ladies out doing all right, come on. I'm just saying. That's okay. what I'm saying, man. Represent. Represent. All right, Denise, over to you. All right, the lady in the back. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name is Jean Malone. I work for Anne Arundel County Department of Public Works. Um, how I have an issue at times of being a good leader without being overly aggressive because I'm a female or not being considered overly aggressive because I'm a female. I I have a tendency to challenge to challenge the men. So I just want to. I want to be a better leader in terms of being a little softer when dealing with male counterparts, but being, but also being taken seriously. So how would I go about? Are you aspiring to be assertive, aggressive, or passive? We, we just talked I about am, that. Well, I don't want to be passive. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just trying to understand um, the question. I'm, I'm, I'm a little 
overly aggressive. So I want to be assertive. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. So that's okay. what you want to do. And what I would say is look through the behaviors that Trina put up mm -hmm. um, of, of assertiveness and see how can you round out yourself and maybe substitute some of the aggressive behaviors you see in yourself and substitute in assertive behaviors. Okay. Because that works the best. Anybody yes. else want to chime in? Thank you very much for your Thank question. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name is Jabril Muhammad. I am a civilian materials engineer at the Naval Surface Warfare Center in Philadelphia Division and in-service engineering agent. Um, Ms. Christine, she made um, a point, and she talked about, I'm trying to make sure I don't lose my own train of thought. All right, well, I'll ask the second question. Just talking about being assertive and aggressive, I think sometimes in my life I've been perceived tall, black man, very outgoing, can work a room, that I'm unapproachable. But I find that these are the same people I'll hang out with and will laugh and joke, but will go behind my back and tell someone that I um, maybe hurt their feelings and not come directly to me. How important is it for the person that feels offended to advocate for themselves and come to you to give you the opportunity to correct the mistake you may have made? Is that question to me or to In general, I just, um, I can't remember what you said specifically, so that was my second question. I, I would I say, well, you go ahead, Trina. I was trying to think through it. You go I was well, going to say, his, in the beginning of my career, I was yeah. perceived as being aggressive, probably because I was overexcited, right? And I wanted everybody to hear what I had to say. But what I learned was, is that men speak in bullets, right? And just be to the point. And you say it in a very calm tone, but confident. Right. There's a difference between being confident and being aggressive. Right. And that's one of the things that I learned. And I'm going to tell you, regardless, um, you're going to command that when you stood up. I was like, oh, my God, he's not in the military. Like you ran it down real quick. Yeah. This is what's happening. Da, da, da. You, I mean, I'm impressed. Right. But that's a good thing. That's not a negative thing. But the other thing is what I learned over the years is put like a, a bit of sense of humor when I do speak to people be, to let them know that I'm open. I can't always come off and just to let you know, I normally do like with my team, I'm very matter of fact, but then I'm also like, all right guys, you know, if I totally goofed this up, you got me, right? I always end it with that to let them know it's an open door policy. So just let people know, hey, if there's an issue, you need to talk to me, feel free to open door policy kind of thing, right? I, I would offer to you as well, to be mindful of your tone and tenor mm -hmm. and be observant of those that you're involved with. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have a thing of train of thought of what you want to convey, but how you convey it, you know, I can tell you, God, man, you look, you look like sweet water, <laughs> right? But then I could also tell you, to you boy, that's a, mm. I, I, I don't think I would have oh put God. that tie with that suit. Oh my God. Okay, and your face just now just changed. When I said sweet water, you was like, yeah. <laughs> When I said I didn't like your tie, your face, just kind of tone and tenor, yes, is what I would offer to you. And just being observant in how you interact with people and giving them that space. And you might also, if you, if you, if you have a mentor or a coach or somebody that you trust, um, the hardest thing to ask for is constructive criticism. So there's only two things you must do. One is, how do other people perceive me? What do they say about me when I walk out the room? Second rule is, no matter what that person says to you, there's only one answer. Thank you. 
Don't justify it. Don't say, you know, well, that's not the way I see it. So if you don't want honest, constructive criticism, please don't ask for it, because you will wreck that relationship. Yes. But if you want it, ask, what do people say about me when I'm not in the room? That's the best way to find out how you're perceived, whether it's true or not. Exactly. Ma'am? Good morning. My name is Kiana Dawson. I am a manager at EY, and my current client is Department of Army. Cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so my question was, I lead a really large engagement team, and I have many partners that I report to. And I wanted to know, do you have any tips on being one of few females in the leadership team? How do I manage up and still motivate my team when things are like just going haywire? How do I manage expectations? That's a loaded question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anybody want to dive in? Yes. I have a lot to say, but I can't say it in a minute. So <laughs> I'm happy to talk okay. to you afterwards. Yeah. I would, I would, I'm, the only thing I'll tell you is that I manage, most of my team is 98% guys, right? And I do understand when you're sitting there, you know, it's, it's like a touch and go, and then sometimes it's out of hand. What I found is that if I, sent, I find what people's strengths are, whether or not they've been identified as the leader, I lead toward those strengths and I always call them the content expert. And I make sure that that person who's managing that team looks at them as a major resource. What that does is helps build the confidence of the team, but it also gives the person who's managing that team an opportunity to grow in their skills. Just because a person is managing or been assigned as the manager or supervisor doesn't mean they always have the skill set, right? But I always tell everybody we're a team. No one's any better than the other person. So if you fail, I fail. And let's look at it that way, more as a team approach. So you got to build a team like you would build a family at home and let everybody know what role they play and that everybody's role is important on the team. But she's right, it's a loaded question. You might want to stay late because we need details. So, <laughs> so for me, when, I, when you say manage up, I, I look at it managing up from the senior's perspective. I found out what's important to them. Not everything is important for them. They don't care about the details. They care about that short verb that's going to get them through the next, that elevator speech mm -hmm. is what I call it. What's important to them so that they can be able to go into a room and someone can ask them a question and they can say confidently, oh, yes, we're working on that. Or, yes, there's an issue with that, but we're fully aware and we're fully engaged to fix it. So finding out what's important to them mm -hmm. is really the people side of things. So once you hone in on those skills of what's important, then you'll be able to tailor your message and then you'll be able to drive your team to getting you the things that you need, the tools you need, and the information to be able to drive upward. So let's say thank you to our wonderful panelists. And thank you for being a great audience. I'm sure they'll take, are happy to stick around for a few minutes, but we are at the hour. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Assertiveness Learning. Gain more confidence, make better decisions, and earn the respect you deserve a professional development seminar. Featuring senior IT consultant for Pierce, Monroe and Associates, Christine Burkett. Vice President, Women and Diverse B2B Marketing for IBM Corporation, Denise Evans. Brigadier General, Human Resources Command for the US Army, Tawanda Young. And Senior Project Manager for General Dynamics, Trina Crowell. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference. For more information on how you, 
your company or organization can take part, visit www.bea.org. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.